Hi, it's Michael and Anthony here presenting Small Business Banter. A healthy micro and small business sector means a successful economy and a more vibrant society. Small Business Banter is about helping regional business owners better prepare for the current challenges, but also for the next stage of business success. I'm Michael Kerr, founder of Kerr Capital, advisors to business owners. Each week, with Anthony Turner from the Small Business Mentoring Service, we'll interview a different small business expert or a fellow business owner and get them to share their best tips and insights for you, the listeners. Small Business Banter is brought to you from the studios of 104.7 Gippsland FM and is heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Thanks also to our supporters, Kerr Capital and the Small Business Mentoring Service. Okay, welcome to another edition of Small Business Banter. Fabulous to have in the house today um, the CEO of Silver and Wise and Blue Frog Marketing, Hunter Leonard. Great to have you in, Hunter. Michael, thank you, Michael. I very much appreciate it. Good to be with you and Anthony. Excellent. Um, Nice intro to Anthony Turner, co-host from Small Business Banter. Welcome, Anthony. Thanks, Michael, and hello, everybody, again. Yeah, great, great to uh, great to have you in, Hunter. Um, look, we might just kick off with you just giving us a little bit about. You've got an extensive business background. Um, we want to, if you could just give us in a minute or two, where you started with Blue Frog Marketing, how that led to Silver and Wise, which is what we really want to focus on today. So over to you. Yeah, cool. So look, I spent about a decade in uh, corporate uh, after I finished my university degree, and then. Back in 2001, started Blue Frog Marketing uh, with one client and a contract on the back of a napkin. Um, so it was a, an auspicious start in, a, in the living room of our house. And I ran that business for, uh, I've run it for now 20 years, but after about 16 years, I was looking to uh, expand the business. And I had a mentor, we were talking about the concept of using a licensing model to expand the business. And one day he said to me, have you thought about having mature age people as part of your licensed network. And I said, well, I don't really care what age they are as long as they can do the job and they're interested in being part of our our group. And so he said, well, why don't you go away and do a bit of research and come back and have a chat? So as it turned out, two weeks later, I ended up in the offices of the Human Rights Commission talking about their willing to work study, which had found that there was an enormous amount of discrimination and ageism in this group. And Also, I found out that quite a lot of the mature age audience were then looking to start a business when they couldn't find a job. And we had a massive amount of experience and a very, very large survey of business owners uh, on what they needed in terms of starting a business from scratch. And so we decided we'd start this new business, Silver and Wise, to specifically help those mature age people who are wanting to start a business as a result of running up against this ageism brick wall in the job search. Okay, that's excellent. So, yeah, Blue Frog Marketing, traditional marketing agency helping um, small businesses but as well as others, but that really led you down the path of uh, Silver and Wise, which is focusing on enabling 
mature age workers, which I think from your book kind of it kicks in around about 45 years of age, right, where, where some of those challenges start to become real for employees. Yeah, totally. Look, the, the Bureau of Stats defines mature age workers as somebody who's 45 to 64 when, and seniors is 65 plus. And it seemed from that research with the Human Rights Commission that around that 45 to 50 year age group that really that's when the, the major barriers started to appear for people. Um, for women, it tends to be earlier, so they get the double whammy of sexism and ageism and they get the ageism earlier. But, yeah, roughly in that sort of 40 to 50 age group is when people start to run into it, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, so you, you, uh, you've written a couple of books specifically on um, responding to ageism. So the, the books are directed at individuals in, and, and really trying to empower them to look away from the traditional job market. Is that the thinking behind what you're writing about? Yeah, totally. And uh, I think it, it comes down to the fact that we do have this uh, endemic ageism in, in Australia and, for that matter, in most Western cultures. Uh, you know, Eastern cultures tend to value their elders a little bit more than we do in, in, in Western. So if you look at Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the US, France, etc., they all seem to be suffering the same thing as that mature age workers run into this barrier. And from a perspective of these, what I call the isms, uh, sexism, racism, ageism, we know it takes a long time for a society to grapple with these major challenges. So I wanted to write a book to put the control back in the hands of the individuals while we all wait to handle these issues. <laughs> you know, racism, we had the Civil War in America a long, long time ago and, and there's still issues of, of racism in many countries. Women got the vote back in the 1900s and still don't have equal pay. So we know that ageism is going to take some time to handle. So I figured the best way to do it was to put the control back in the individual's hands and then let them handle it for their own for, for their own life. And then hopefully we can go on and advocate and uh, poke the bear a bit and get the bigger issues handled while they sort themselves out. Yeah, Hunter, I, I personally I, I remember sort of back in my 40s um, that, um, you know, I went through a similar sort of experience where I was um, uh, retrenched from a particular role. Um, I'd had a family breakdown and, you know, a variety of different things that go on, as often happens to many, many people. Mm. Um, and that ability to get back into meaningful work was very, very challenging at that time. And certainly looking at my own business was an option. But at that time, um, there wasn't the sort of support networks and the uh, – you know, the information that was available at that time that there is now. Mm. With um, somebody who's sort of going through, you know, what I went through and or and many others have gone through and are going through, and particularly in this sort of post-COVID times now as we're transitioning it out, for those people that are looking to, say, maybe change where they live and where they work and uh, start a new business and everything else, what, what are the sorts of key things that they need to be aware of about themselves um, to be able to make that transition? Yeah, well, the first thing I'd like to say is that, you know, having interviewed literally hundreds of mature age people, I'm yet to find someone who doesn't have any value, despite the fact that society thinks they thinks they don't. And uh, clearly, it's a value equation that's occurring with this ageism. So we've got a lot of big organisations that are reluctant to hire mature age people because they're focused on, I suppose, youth and energy and this culture of technology and all these other sorts of things. And there's a lot of weird and wonderful uh, assumptions that people make about mature age people. I mean, most people in their 40s and 50s are pretty 
fluent with computers these days. They've probably had them in their career most of the time. So um, what, what I say is that is to first up, recognise you do have value. Don't let anyone else tell you you don't. And then open up the possibilities of reviewing exactly what you do know and what you can do as opposed to what society is saying is what you don't know and what you can't do, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is this the background to this ageism. So the first thing I would say to individuals is really just, you know, just get out a big piece of white paper and start writing down all the things that you feel that you're good at, the things that you know how to do, the things that you love doing, and really create a picture for yourself uh, on paper of the of of your own skill set and your own experience and your own wisdom. And then that can be then matched to opening up the possibilities beyond the traditional one company, one job. Uh, all the research we're seeing is that a lot of organisations around the world are, are, are talking about moving to a more freelance economy. So this is gigs, uh, short-term gig contracts. Economy. Exactly, these sorts of things. So if the entire world population of businesses is moving to freelance and mature-age workers can adapt their ability to working for, say, multiple clients or multiple companies in order to earn their income, then that's a great opportunity and also one that they can pursue probably anywhere in the world. So they can move out to regional Australia and, and live in a place that's, you know, more interesting to them, commute via Zoom and work remotely on these freelance occupations. Um, Rather than running up, and look, I, I spoke to 350 mature age people for my book, and of that, probably 80 or 90% had run into exactly the same situation. They were sending off multiple uh, job applications and not even getting to interview stage because of the age on their resume. So mm. you could continue to do that, beat, your, beat yourself head against the brick wall, or take this alternative path, which is review what you're good at, what you love doing, and then try and match that to the opportunities that are available in this new gig economy or freelance economy that is certainly happening uh, right now. It's um, that self-awareness, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, we, we should all, you know, endeavour to get better at because, you know, I can imagine, you know, coming out of a job or career after 20 or 30 years, it's... Um, Perhaps you fit it into that environment rather than you know you be totally conscious about what um, what what value you are bringing. But yeah, um, the what's exciting is um, that for me when I think of that is that the ability if if um, you adapt to the gig economy, you can you can contemplate working from a lot of different places, can't you? Oh, totally. And I think that's probably the big silver lining or the big opportunity I'm a, I'm a glass half full sort of guy i think that we have these barriers but again i spoke to all of these people and, and there's some amazing experience and wisdom with people and just just giving them the chance to reflect on uh what are the opportunities for themselves rather than being concerned that someone said i don't want to give you an interview because of your age i mean that's just negative let's think about the positive side and yeah. every person i've met has a has something to offer a value yeah. absolutely and 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 you know it's, i think part of getting to that point is you know is, is having around you some support some mentoring to you know help you realize and see things you may not you know understand intuitively yourself but um Agreed. yeah and um would, would it would you agree that um adopting this mindsets of being an employee and then there's mindsets for being an 
a self-employed or a business owner? They, they, they see them as quite different and and, yeah, look, and, and, and and therefore, you know, adopting the small business mindset might actually, even if you work in the gig economy, if you adopt the mindset of a business owner, you, uh, do you think you're more likely to succeed? Look, I think so. Um, look, at, and no one's saying this is necessarily going to be easy for some people because they have been used to this one job, one company sort of career that they've had. But once you once you get someone to start reflecting on what they've done in those roles, what value they delivered, what sort of exchange conversations they had with their boss in that thing, then they start to realise that, hey, they could do that for five different people, not one person at a time. And And really that's the essence of being a freelancer. It's saying, well, I'm going to... If I've got a target of, say, earning eighty or $100,000 a year for the next 10 years of my career, well, I'll have 10 people that pay me $8,000 a year to do something as opposed to one person paying me 80000 And so there is there is some mindset change and there's certainly a, uh, some skills that go with that, you know, understanding who are the possible customers, where are they, what do they need. Maybe you've got to think about how do you survey people. So there's a bit of this small business mindset of understanding your customer. Um but being a freelancer or a gigster is kind of like halfway to being a, a business owner. You can just say, well, it's just going to be me. I'm going to invoice eight people. I've got a target. I'll get my first client. I'll get my second client. I'll get my third client and just approach it on a bit of a bit of a gradient. It is a security issue for some people that have had a job. They might feel a little insecure in that. But in my view, I think it's better than spending six months trying to send resumes off to people who don't want to interview you anyway. So you might as well use that six months to start thinking about how you can create your own thing. I think one of the other things that uh, I've seen, Hunter, is that um, oftentimes people, um, when they're in that space of getting a lot of negativity, that can have obviously mental health issues and cre- mm-hmm. or create those or add to those that might be existing. Um, I guess one of the things is to um, maybe look at how you get out there and market yourself and and a lot of people are not really comfortable about marketing themselves you know they you know they're getting rejections in in one area and probably fearful of getting rejections in another sense as well sure so you know maybe there's some basic marketing tips that you can do to help people go um, get themselves out there and get amongst people and start building their confidence again that you might be able to share yeah yeah totally well the first one i i think is really just understanding um you know, what you can offer of value. So if they do that bit of a review, so you say, okay, well, let's take a practical example. Let's say somebody was a financial controller in a big business and they'd spent their entire life just working as an, as a, an in-house accountant or, or whatever. So they understand money. Um, that understanding of money has a much broader appeal. I can tell those people that 40% of all small businesses have a cash flow problem most of the time. So there's a value for that individual who knows about how to manage money in terms of helping small business owners. Now, so that could be like a, a virtual CFO. And the same could go for somebody who's had some marketing experience in a big business. There's a lot of small businesses that need help with marketing. Um, so there's a question of saying, well, okay, my skills, who, who needs them? Uh, and let's talk about small business. There's two million small business owners out there and if 40% of them have got cash flow problems, that's a lot of businesses, 800,000 businesses that are struggling with managing money. So I figure somebody with some accounting skills or some some financial control skills might be able to find 10 or 15 that want to pay them a few hundred bucks a month to help them. So that's, that's the idea of understanding your customer. So it's really a case of who is the customer, where are they, and then literally just going and having a chat with them. 
So if you can have a conversation with a, with another human being, you can survey somebody about what they need and want, what are they running into. And those conversations lead to some understanding about then what is the value of what you can do with other people. And you might have to interview 50 or 100 people in order to understand that. But I can guarantee if they, if they do those and have those conversations with people, they'll get to a point where they realise that, yes, what they, what they do has some value what is that value? And then that'll naturally then move into the next stage, which is then pitching that value to people of that same ilk that you've spoken to. Yeah, I know um, um, through our organisation, the Small Business Mentoring Service, we've had a number of people who've been in the situation that you're talking about who've um, yeah. joined our organisation to um, actually get some support going through that process. So, you know, yeah, we help train mentor them um, as well as, you know, their um, providing their value to clients, um, small business clients, as you're talking about, sort of creates a loop that's you know beneficial for both, um, and it it helps regain that confidence as well. Yeah. You know, um, with in terms of the personal marketing, are there sort of other sort of networks or places that you know that you know of that you know people who are considering making these changes where they might be able to go and get some support and or connect with other people because you know. In the introduction, we're talking about um, you know people moving away from the cities and uh, heading into you know regional areas, particularly where they may not know people and everything else. You know, what are some of the good steps that they can take to get involved? Yeah, totally. Well, there's the, as you know, there's um, many different organisations of of small businesses around Australia. Um, there's uh, so I would start with uh, the local chamber of commerce uh, or the traders association if it's more of a retail. Uh, town, I would um, look online on Facebook because often on Facebook you have a lot of regional-based business groups where they're networking online and that's really useful. So you can join as a member and you can introduce yourself and just start by asking questions and seeing what people are posting, what what help they need um, in regards to that. There's also um, more formal uh, commercial type networking uh, groups that exist where you might pay a, a member's fee to go along to a breakfast and network with other uh, business owners. Um, but also, you know, particularly in, in country areas, the local football club is going to have a lot of the business owners are probably playing footy, uh, the local cricket club or or the Rotary Club or the Lions Club. So really it's about groups of people. Um, and networking. Uh, yeah, I watched a, a backroads uh, backroads um, last night, and it was on a, a local town that was really everything revolved around the football and netball club. You know, all the farmers were supporters of the club. All their kids played for the football club, um, and that the football club and netball club was the core of how that town managed to get through the pandemic because they used that as their networking hub. So it's really yeah, this centerpiece of of a lot of regional towns and totally uh, um, yeah. and look by the way on today's edition of small business banter we are chatting with hunter leonard um, founder of blue frog marketing but also silver and wise which we're talking about and really enjoying um hunter can we just slightly um change tack we've we've kind of i think we've covered moving out of being an employee being secure into this new more uncertain environment some of the things you need to do to adapt does um uh, I'm always fascinated about uh, stepping in and actually buying a business. I mean, we've talked about starting yeah. a business. Yeah. What, you, what are your thoughts on, given that there's so many small businesses that are owned by uh, individuals age 50 plus who are 
over the next five, 10, 20 years are going to need to sell. So are there opportunities there? And Yeah, totally. I, I think um, there's there's a number of opportunities. One is potentially, you know, if you've come out of a, an organisation and you do happen to have, you know, received a redundancy payment, well, maybe you've got some cash that you can put into purchasing a business, you know, in a location that you'd like to, like to work and live. Um, the other option, of course, is potentially buying part of the business and partnering with the existing business owner. So um, often small business owners in that process of looking at their exit strategy won't just sell their entire business. They might sell part of it and then succession plan. And doesn't mean they can't succession plan with another mature age person because they might just need somebody else to work with um, that makes life easy for them. So yeah, it actually totally. can often extend the time in business for the outgoing owner if they find themselves, you know, like I, 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 I talk with hundreds of owners a year about that exit planning process and it, it's it sometimes seen as a very binary thing, I'm in or I'm out, whereas yeah. these progressive sell downs or bringing in staff over time and, you know, um, seems like a, a mature way to you know to, to run it but I think underpinning that as you said is the ability for a mature you know an ex-employee mature aged ex-employee to position themselves to network um, to just you know um, share why they could add value to a to another small business I think it's um it's a it's a very significant area of opportunity totally and I think uh, you know um, for those mature age people who are who are you know, uh, willing and able and, and a bit more gung-ho about starting their own business. It, it might be that they start something and then two or three other mature age people come in and become employees within that business. So we know from the stats in Australia that the average small business will, will employ three to four people. If you just took, yes, they're small and big business, but on average, small business yeah. employs three or four people. So I see every mature age entrepreneur as a, a, a leader in perhaps bringing another three or four mature age people with them as employees because they've all faced the same issues. So I think that they could be the support network that, that really counts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, uh, it, it's a fascinating topic. I, I also I just wanted to get your thoughts on the missed opportunity from the employer's side of not tapping into this vast resource of, um, you know, mature age workers. Uh, you know, it's, it, it seems like a lost opportunity there as well. Oh look! It, it seriously blows my mind, Michael. I can't. I can't believe there's so much ageism and so much unwillingness to employ people with experience and wisdom. Uh, there's a very uh, single factor um, judgment going on. So what's happening is people are they just look at the calendar age or the birth date and they make a decision, which 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 is not looking at the person. So if you are employing for a particular role. What should happen is you should judge the, the candidates based on ability. So whether it's a young person who's the best person for the job or, or a mature person, that, that's not my point. I'm not against a younger age. Clearly a business that focuses on ageism can't be ageist. <laughs> so, but it, it's a case of saying, well, who can potentially do this job the best as a whole of business viewpoint? I heard a really great story the other day of somebody who'd employed a 75-year-old in their mail and packaging and distribution area and this 75-year-old because of their amazing experience had picked up a mistake in the 
postcoding of these of this massive mailing that was going out, and apparently they saved the business about sixty thousand dollars on one day, and that was their entire year's income for that job. So th- these these sort of things we've we've got to if we go back ten thousand years of civilization. The wisdom of the elders is what us got has got us through. It's experience and wisdom which has enabled us to uh, develop our society, develop our civilization. Most of the major day-to-day inventions that we use, like the dishwasher and the toothbrush and the printing press, were all were all invented by mature age people because they had experience and wisdom. So I think that's that's the downside is you're going to miss out on that. Yeah. Um, look, we are coming up, unfortunately, to the end of the time. I was I, I just interested in um, your thoughts on the relationship between running a business or you know being actively engaged in the gig economy and and one's underlying purpose or, um, you know, do you see a pretty strong tie between, for some people who, you know, can't be, who don't like to be idle, they they want to be. Yeah, I think purpose is absolutely critical. I, I put it down in my book as one of the things that somebody really needs to consider in regards to their future work plan, whether it's as an employee, a freelancer or a business owner is to, Put purpose front and centre because that's the thing that gets you over the crap days. <laughs> if you have a yeah. bad day, it's the purpose that drives you through. But if you're only doing it for the money, then we understand that finance is important. We all need the revenue and the income. But if you can find something that you really, that really you love, then a you'll be healthier, you'll live longer, you'll work longer, you'll do better at what you do, and your customers will understand that as well because they'll see the passion that you have for what you do. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. Get as you say, you got to get those basic financials right. But um, you know, you can also work over a lot longer. There are opportunities to change the way you earn that money, whether it's gig economy or running your own business. Hunter, uh, we've unfortunately at the end of our uh, great discussion. Thank you so much. Do you want to just shout out the website for Silver and Wise before we um, close out? Yeah, sure. It's just silverandwise.com.au. Okay, look, um, we'll also post um, information about it in the show notes, but um, really appreciate your time today. Um, you know, anything we can do to help champion, champion the idea of um, getting more of those mature age workers in their own business or into others to, you know, for greater effect, uh, let us know. But um, thanks very much, Hunter Leonard, for being on Small Business Banter today. Thanks, Michael and Anthony. Appreciate it. Cheers. So that's all for today's episode of Small Business Banter. Anthony and I continue to be inspired by bringing you small business experts and other small business owners and hearing their stories. For any of the links, resources or information we've talked about on the show today or to contact Anthony or myself, please head over to smallbusinessbanter.com or you can find us on both Facebook and Instagram. Anthony and I would love you to tune in at the same time next week for another episode of Small Business Banter.